fellow fiends. Welcome to another episode of Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces. I am your host, Cassie Opea. I actually just returned this week from an amazing trip up to New York, and on top of getting to see my lovely sister and my lovely brother-in-law, I was able to visit some amazing places and some places that have been on my bucket list for a long time. And of course, I gathered a little bit of information and research, Um, but I had a blast and I would just like to say, anybody who lives in New York, it, it, it is a, you have a beautiful state there and it was so much fun. And I am definitely going to be taking another trip back at some point. Um, just to get those, you know, formalities out of the way, don't forget that we have the Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces candles over at the Wick and Fae shop at pizzaandpigtails.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe uh, to Anchor or Patreon as you get bonus content, which um, the next episode will be out Tuesday, and it's a pretty fun one. And also, um, Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces is now offering ad space. So if you are interested in getting your product out to um, people across the world, as this is an international playing podcast, uh, send me an email at creepycases.spookyspaces at gmail.com and I can send you all of the information to get you going with that. And now, without further ado, let's start this week's creepy case. So today, I actually wanted to tell you not only about one missing woman, but multiple missing people. And I wanted to highlight an issue that up until I really started researching and digging into cases like this, I never really knew about it but I it researching this case was definitely an eye-opener for me as it brought about and kind of brought into my tunnel vision that there are so many missing people of color and we never hear much about these cases and it's actually sad because I was reading up on some of them and they're just they're not given the same attention and the same care that other cases and yes I am basically saying as of white people who go missing They're just not given the same attention by the media or even police. And I think that's a major, major issue. And I actually found a website and a foundation that I'll be talking about later in the episode. And I definitely want you to go and check it out um, just to to see the information out there and the resources. And just to see how many people of color are missing thousands of men, women, and children who we don't even really hear about. So let's get started 
with the creepy case of Cheryl Pearson. January 4th, 2002. Just another day for 37-year-old Cheryl Lamont Pearson, a well-known and well-loved pediatric doctor from Shelby County, Tennessee. Now Cheryl, an avid Memphis Grizzlies fan and season ticket holder, attended every game. And that night, she left the Pyramid Arena around 10.30 p.m and was pretty bummed because the Grizzlies had lost. Now she drove to her home on Daybreak Drive in Bartlett, where she spent some time with her friend Andrea Fox. Now, another source states that there were two friends who stopped by, but multiple sources only mention Andrea, and she's actually the only one mentioned by name. In an interview with NBC News, Andrea states, Anytime I see a missing person's report, I relive that night, just wondering where she could be and what happened that night. She went on to say that there was nothing abnormal about Cheryl's behavior, and she mentioned that Cheryl was actually really excited to see her sister's kids as she was going to be babysitting them the next day. Now, it was around 1 a.m. on January 5th when Andrea left Cheryl's house and she had no idea that it would be the last time she would see her friend. Around 7 a.m., Cheryl's sister, Laurenda Hildreth, arrived at the house, her excited children ready to spend the day with their aunt. However, Cheryl didn't respond to Laurenda's knocking. She began looking around, uh, confused, because it would have been completely out of character for Cheryl to forget she was babysitting. She loved her nieces and nephews, and Lorinda became worried when she found Cheryl's car wasn't parked in its spot. Now, Cheryl is a severe diabetic, so her family was concerned that she may have had an accident, uh, possibly passed out while driving home, Um, and they were unable to locate or contact Cheryl, so they contacted the police and reported her missing. Her family, friends, and colleagues passed out flyers around the community and even the surrounding areas. Now, police immediately suspected that this wasn't your typical missing persons case. Cheryl was well-known and well-respected, and they knew that she wasn't the type who would just up and leave without telling anyone. The fact that she's also insulin dependent made the situation even more urgent. Leon and Hazel Pearson traveled from their home in Jackson, Tennessee to Cheryl's home as soon as they heard the news. They used their spare set of keys to enter the home and nothing really seemed out of the ordinary. There was no apparent signs of struggle, but Cheryl's mobile phone and pager were sitting on the dining room table, and it was highly unusual she would leave them as she was on call that weekend. 
and even more alarming, her insulin was also left behind, something that she would never leave unless she was only planning to be gone a short period of time. Now, Hazel Pearson was especially worried. She said that Cheryl had called her from the Grizzlies game the night before, complaining that she had been feeling weak and lightheaded. She may have been experiencing fluctuations in her blood sugar that led her to become disoriented. And she was also alone at the game. Now, even if she seemed fine that evening with friends, Cheryl's mom was still worried that she could have had an episode after they left. Hey fellow fiends, have you ever wondered what it would smell like to walk through a dark and foggy cemetery at the witching hour? Or how about sitting in a dim, damp, file locker pouring over the details of the creepiest true crime cases well if you have you're definitely one of my people and you can now put those wonders to rest by heading over to pizzaandpigtails.com clicking on the wick and fay link in the left hand corner and getting your hands on your very own wick and fay candle line now if you're not into those scents don't worry you're still one of my people but they also offer a wide range of fragrances, such as Bitch Slap Blue, Sunday Yummy Sunday, and Chill the Fuck Out. And with a wide variety of fragrances, you are bound to find something for everyone in the family. So what are you waiting for? Head on over, pizzaandpigtails.com, click on the Wick and Fay. And don't forget to use the checkout code CREEPYSPOOKY to get 10% off your first order right now. When Cheryl's colleagues from her medical practice learned that she was missing, they quickly joined the search effort. They asked each person they encountered to be on the lookout for Cheryl and her blue Audi. They also established a reward fund offering $10,000 for information leading to Cheryl's safe return. Now, it wasn't long before detectives were able to access Cheryl's phone records, where they noticed something odd. At 1.58 a.m. on Saturday morning, almost an hour after her friends had left, Cheryl received a phone call. It came from a Sitco payphone located just a few minutes down the street from her home. Now, it seemed that she was home at the time of the call, which lasted only about five seconds. While investigators don't know who placed the call, it's possible that Cheryl voluntarily left her home and encountered foul play while she was out. And the weekend passed with no word from Cheryl, but the first potential break came in around 7 a.m. Monday morning, when Cheryl's 2001 Blue Audi was found abandoned at Quail Ridge Apartment Complex on Egypt Central Road. And this is actually only about a mile from her house. Now found in the car, 
is $140, her Grizzlies game tickets, and her medical bag that actually contained her personal belongings, which led police to believe that she had encountered foul play. Two sets of car keys were also found in the car. Now, detectives were unable to determine how long the car had been parked there, and the car had also been completely wiped clean. All fingerprints, even Cheryl's, there were absolutely none. Now, anyone and everyone who came into contact with Cheryl were questioned. Among her family and friends, one person stuck out to police. Chuck Hildreth. Does that last name sound familiar? Because it's her sister Lorinda's husband, her very own brother-in-law. Now, it came to light that Chuck actually had a criminal record and was out on bail at the time after he'd been arrested for armed robbery. Now, while there was no substantial evidence, there are certain inconsistencies from his interviews that are, quote, not explainable. And detectives also cast a wary eye on him when they learned that Lorinda, his wife, is well, was the beneficiary of Cheryl's 150000 life insurance policy. Now, Lorinda has never been suspected of being involved in her sister's disappearance, and Charles was interrogated on several occasions. He has an alibi, but detectives aren't entirely comfortable with his story. Now, Charles has never been officially named as a suspect, and her parents don't believe he had anything to do with her disappearance. In the years since, police have conducted several physical searches, but they haven't been able to come up with any evidence as to what might have happened to Cheryl. They've never been able to identify the person who called Cheryl at 1.58 a.m. that morning, but detectives believe the phone call is linked to her disappearance, and it's still unknown if she was lured out of her house by the mystery caller, and it, I feel it had to have been someone she knew. Um, maybe somebody who called and said they needed help, and she left her home to assist. Um, maybe somebody who called and said they had an emergency, um, to even like maybe with their child because she was a pediatric doctor. So she would have gone out to help. Her medical bag was in the car. Um, it doesn't seem like it was a robbery because she that there was $140 in the car when they found it. Um, now, her family tried to hold on to hope that Cheryl was alive, but in 2006, they accepted that something terrible had happened. And in 2009, the same year that her father, Leon Pearson, passed away, Cheryl was declared legally dead. Now, Cheryl Pearson was 37 at the time she went missing. She has brown eyes and black hair. She's 5'6 to 5'7 and 160 pounds. She has a dark-colored birthmark on one side of her face and small sixth finger on each hand. If you have any information as to where she could have gone or what could have happened to her, 
please contact the Bartlett Police Department at 901-385-5558 and any information helps, even the smallest detail. Now, Cheryl is among one of many missing people of color, and it's been found that most people of color who go missing, they don't get the attention or are marginalized by the police and the media. During my research on Cheryl, I actually found a website called blackandmissinginc.com. And that's blackandmissinginc.com. And I definitely recommend checking out, uh, checking it out. Uh, sister-in-law founders Derica and Natalie Wilson actually created the foundation to bring awareness to the thousands of cases that go unresolved. Cases of missing black people remain unresolved four times longer than those of white people. And the website helps in getting information on the missing women, children, and men who otherwise have no voice. Like Akia Eggleston from Baltimore, Maryland. She was last seen May 3rd, 2017, and she was eight months pregnant at the time. She was reported missing May 7th when she failed to show up for her baby shower. Relisha Rudd from Washington, D.C. was just eight years old when she disappeared from a homeless shelter in on March 1st, 2014. And she was actually last seen at a motel with Khalil Tatum, and he was a janitor at the homeless shelter that her and her family were living at. But on March 31st, Tatum's body was found from an apparent suicide. Now, Alvin Mutemba from New Mexico went missing in 2003. And Omar Gibson from Gainesville, Florida, went missing July 25, 2012. His car was found in an apartment complex on the 27th, with the keys on the floor and the doors unlocked. And it also seemed like there was foul play involved. There are so many profiles on the Black and Missing Inc. website that you could spend... I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole looking at profiles of nothing but missing people of color. And it's actually really sad because all missing persons cases should be treated the same and with the same amount of urgency because these are people. And it doesn't matter what background they have, where they're from, the color of their skin, what they've done. We should respect them as people. And I definitely wanted to bring awareness and just highlight that this is an issue and it definitely needs to be solved. So with that, until next crime. Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces with Cassiopeia is a Pizza and Pigtails production. All episodes researched, written, and edited by yours truly. You can find new episodes every Friday with bonus episodes coming out every other Tuesday on your favorite podcast listening platform.
Be sure to follow along on Instagram and Facebook at creepycases.spookyspaces for all podcast news and updates. Don't forget to subscribe through the anchor.fm or the Patreon page for exclusive access to bonus content, early episode access, and thank you swag. And if you have a creepy case or a spooky space that you would like to hear featured on a future episode, send me an email at creepycases.spookyspaces at gmail.com. <laughs>